Real mature, Brock. Real mature. Room Radio is back at you, inmates. My name is Darian. I am here for another episode, another night with you lovely people. I'm here to talk about horror movies, chew gum, and kick ass, but I'm all by myself, so there's no ass to kick. I should probably not chew gum while I'm doing a podcast, so that just leaves me, you, and a bunch of freaking horror movies, boys. What do you think of that? Uh, solo show this week, uh, no Jason, no buddy, buddy's still at work, Jason is tending to his mother, and probably will be, uh, for the foreseeable future, so, we're gonna hope to have him back sometime soon, um, but no promises, cause, this is the Padded Room Podcast, and the curse of the Padded Room can strike at any moment, and knock your fucking mom right on her ass. I don't know what it is about moms, man, but uh, we've had a bad luck of mom stuff happening. Speaking of which, on a serious note, inmates, we do have to, uh, I guess, address the ele- the elephant in the room. Uh, Miss Monica's mom has passed away. Um, it, I believe it happened sometime last week. Uh, I know a lot of you guys probably already know because you're friends with her on Facebook and all that stuff, but um, we saw it coming. They saw it coming. Um, we're gonna wish Miss Monica the best. Um, hey, at least, at least you know uh, her suffering is over. I think that's really the best thing that can come out of this because her mom had a hell of a run and she was suffering uh, with some ailments. Uh, we, we all remember the amputated toe adventure, right? That was nasty. But uh, at least her suffering is over. I know Miss Monica uh, for the last. God, year or so has been like a full-time caregiver, so at least, you know, that's that's over, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying, I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at, like, making real serious announcements. Maybe I should just shut up and get back to the horror stuff. That's what I do know. Uh, anyway, let's all wish Miss Monica the best. Um, yeah, babe, if you're, I, she doesn't listen to this show, but if she is, we're here for you, and uh, feel free to join us again. You can come in here anytime you want. Uh, in the meantime, boys, I got a regular horror show to get into. I got listener mail, I got horror news, I got all the usual crap. Should we just roll? Should we just roll right into it? We got it. We got it all, man. I got, I don't need anybody. I can do this by myself. I don't care. I haven't even been drinking yet. I feel I've, I've had a coffee and, uh, I took some aspirin because of that pinch nerve thing. And, um... Out of hell with it. Let's do some horror news. 
Horror news. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, are you guys? I don't know how I feel about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off with what could potentially be some big news. Um, Jason Bloom and James Wan apparently are in talks to somehow merge their horror universes and their companies. I don't know if I'm into that myself because. Of late, I'm not as big of a fan of of Bloomhouse movies as I am of like the Conjuring universe. Out, they both have their weaknesses, but I feel like the Bloomhouse stuff has gotten very, very political and is very heavy-handed on the posturing. Whereas I feel James Wan is still looking to scare somebody, which is what I prefer. I don't need anybody's political opinions in my horror movies. So. Or at least if you're going to... I don't... Really, I don't care. If you want to put them in there, go ahead. Just don't smack me in the face with it. Um, Bloomhouse of late has been a little heavy-handed. Look at the Purge movies, for Christ's sakes. Um, regardless, I don't know. I don't, I, don't think I, I don't think I'm into this, to be honest with you. Everybody's thinking it would be cool to see, like, you know, um, that uh, the Bride in Black showing up in, in The Conjuring. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe the Warrens doing something with the uh, the insidious situation. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm into that. I don't know if I need that in my life. I I like the expanded universes that we're we're seeming to get a lot of these days. But uh let's let's not get carried away, okay? We tried that once. Everybody took a big fat dump on it and I'm still not sure why. Uh, and it got canceled after the first movie. I'm talking about the Dark Universe. We could have had a beautiful thing, but everybody decided that they hated Tom Cruise. I'll be, I'll fully admit that movie has its flaws, and um, but it could have been worse. It wasn't the worst thing ever. Everybody makes it out to be the worst thing ever. Well, it's not, <laughs> and we'll never know about what we could have had with the Dark Universe. If you could have just saw past the first one, just give them a break, just give them like a, a mulligan on the mummy, and then, you know, maybe the, the Frankenstein's monster will be better. Uh, they did The Invisible Man. I don't think that has anything to do with anything, though. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a pretty good show. All right, I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, it looks like uh, <coughs> Terrifier 2 is getting a VHS release. From Broke Horror Fan. Um, okay. Very cool. Uh, I don't... I gave my last VHS player to Jason Harrell. Uh, I don't... I... I would love... I really wish that I had held on to my VHS tapes. Unfortunately, my my wife made me get rid of them. But she didn't make me. Uh, she said I should probably get rid of them because they were eating up a lot of, uh, closet space. And we were about, we were thinking about having a kid. So I got rid of, I, oh God, probably at least a hundred VHS horror movies. Um, some of them in their original clamshells. Uh, and my, I, to her credit, her reasoning was sound. I already owned most of them on DVD. So what do I need them on VHS and DVD for? I don't know. She was right. I got rid of them. I wish I hadn't though. You know, I wish I just had that shelf. But what am I going to do with that shelf? It's going to, I'm not, I can't watch them, right? Uh, even if I did dig up an old VH, VCR, 
why would why would I waste my time watching it on VHS when I have you know a DVD which has a much better picture, special features, uh, chapters, all that fun shit? Why I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. It's the same thing with vinyl. Can somebody explain to me the appeal of vinyl? Everybody's going crazy buying records, record players. Why? Why would you do that? You can hit a button and it goes right to your phone for pennies. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't understand. I don't get any of it, to be honest with you. Uh, here's some news that nobody cares about except for me and Cowboy. Forged in Fog, the newest chapter of Dead by Daylight, has just dropped today, inmates. Uh, about, uh, I don't know, eight hours ago, it became downloadable. I already got it. I already got it. So, whatever questions you have, I cannot answer because I I have it. I have not played, I've not played it yet. And uh, I know it involves a knight and a uh, guy that looks like he stars in softcore pornography. I know it comes with a new killer, a new uh, vi- uh, survivor, and a new map. Um, all I saw was like the trailer. Um, it's the knight, you know, he swings a big broadsword at you. And uh, I don't know, it looks like he's got a posse with him. I don't know how that works because usually there's only one killer. Uh, the survivor, I don't know what his deal is, but he looks... He's very attractive. <laughs> He's a handsome devil. And then the map looks like some kind of a battlefield, like a medieval battle has gone on, like a with fucking trenches and stakes. And I don't know. I don't know. I'll report back next week. Hopefully I'll get to spend some time with it before I uh, blather on any longer about it. What else we got here? Here's something I'm interested in. Caitlin Cronenberg. Okay. Daughter, yeah, daughter to David Cronenberg, um, a sister of Brandon Cronenberg. She is going to make her directorial debut with Humane, and she is calling it an environmental horror film. Um, these Cronenbergs, dude, I love them. I, I'll be honest with you, uh, Brandon Cronenberg. I don't think I'm smart enough for a lot of his movies. Uh, what do you got? You got Existence. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've seen it three or four times. Still can't tell you what the fuck it's about. I think it's about a video game that you shove up your ass. And then it makes you think you're on the 13th floor of a building or something like that. I, eh, it's a it's it's a tough one, man. And if somebody can explain that to me, I would love to hear it. Uh, you got that one. You got Antiviral, which is a really good movie. That one... I had to watch two or three times, but eventually I got the swing of it. Um, you got uh, Possessor, which just came out. That's that's a pretty good show, too. Very gory. Um, it's a very uh, style over substance, is what I would say. The, the crux of the story, this hit woman, she can possess people, and then she carries out the hits, and then she has to kill herself to get back into her own body. And uh, at one point, she uh, decides she doesn't want to go back to it. It's, I'm going to murder that movie if I try to explain it to you, but that's the, that's the style. You understand that? That's the style of movie you get with the Cronenbergs. Don't get me started on Naked Lunch. I've seen it repeatedly. And uh, other than sucking off alien hot dogs, I have no... I, I, can't, I can't tell you what it's about. Uh, drugs that you snort... RoboCop's in there. He's an exterminator. I don't know. I, I can't even. So I'm interested to see what Caitlin Cronenberg is going to do. Um, I'm sure it's going to involve, uh, 
I don't know. It's an environmental horror movie. What do you got? Trees? Going to attack people? I don't know. And to be honest, okay, let's think about the Cronenbergs in general. Um, like the body of work. A lot of things that, uh, a lot of movies that David Cronenberg and Brandon Cronenberg put out somehow get shoehorned into the horror category. <coughs> They're more like uh, action revenge situations, like a uh, history of violence. That's a weird one. Uh, what else you got there? Uh, other ones that uh, the the fly, obviously shivers. Um, that's that. These are some horny fucking movies. To, to also, uh, what else you got? Uh, the Brood. Um, all kind. It's. I mean, I would call David Cronenberg movies for the most part horror, but. I think a lot of his movies are not horror. They just get kind of shoved into that category. All right, I've droned on enough about that. I'm excited. I'm going to check it out whenever it comes out. Uh, okay, here's uh, maybe some bad news. Um, Tubi has announced a original film entitled Bed Rest. Uh, some kind of a horror movie. Can't tell you what it's about. Probably a pregnant chick. It's going to be starring Melissa Barrera. It uh, debuts December 7th of this year, so only in a couple of weeks here. Now, here's the problem I have with this, inmates. Normally, I'm not one to cast dispersions on a movie before I've seen it. Melissa Barrera, however, you'll remember her as the protagonist in Scream 5. She was the older sister. Um, That was one of the worst performances in a horror movie I've seen in my entire life. Jen Ort, she, well, she did a great job of making Jen Ortega look great. Jen Ortega looked like an actual, I mean, I have nothing against Jen Ortega, but like the, 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 just the bland lack of acting from Melissa Barrera, like showcased what an actress Jen Ortega is. So do I get, am I ready to fall in love with Melissa Barrera and give bed rest a chance? I don't think so. I don't think I am. I think I've, uh, I think she's hurt me too bad, too badly with that performance in Scream 5. I don't know if I want to be hurt again, Melissa Barrera. You've got some serious making up to do, and um, I don't know if... I'm I'm not big on second chances, Melissa Barrera. I am sorry. Um, Maybe some some candy and flowers or something. I don't know. I don't don't know why I'm breaking up with Melissa Barrera over a podcast, but... um, God damn, she was terrible in Scream 5. You have to admit it. Anybody that's seen that movie, uh, it's, it, I, I wasn't nearly as mad at it as Jason was. You you remember the review we did. It was a couple months back. But she damn near ruined that movie for me just with her lackluster performance. I'm going to leave it at that. That's all I got on the horror news. Time for some listener mail, motherfuckers. Listener mail. I'm sorry, but now I'm now I'm kind of fired off again, and I I apologize. But you know what I think the worst part of that that Melissa Barrera in Scream Five was the fact that people watched that and said that they need that in their movie. That's the hardest part. That's the thing I don't understand about a lot of these fucking horror movies. Take a movie like uh, Killer Weekend. I know nobody's seen it, and nobody should. Um, it stars Eric Roberts, I think Crease, 
uh, like recommended it or something. It was for Eric Roberts month or some shit, but there's a movie called killer weekend. And I shit you not, my friends halfway through the movie, there is a scene of the director, Eric Roberts and like three key grips standing around smoking cigarettes. How the fuck did that get in the movie? You're going to tell me that somebody watched that, didn't catch that little 30-second blurb in the middle where the director, who is not playing a character, and is clearly the director, he's got a clipboard with a script in his hand, is in the movie smoking a cigarette with Eric Roberts. Nobody saw that and raised their hands. Nobody... All right, all right. I'm going to take a deep breath. That's the part that pisses me off the most about Scream 5, is that somebody in the editing bay, I'll, I'll be at the director or the editor or one of the myriad of producers saw Melissa Barrera's performance and said, A-OK. No, 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 no. This is how we as horror fans get reduced to the lowest common denominator. You understand that? Because there are people out there that are singing the praises of Scream 5 when she fucking sucked. All right, she's a very attractive young lady. I would love to uh, see her in some kind of a lingerie shower ensemble i don't know but um that performance dude that is unacceptable and somebody had to say something but nobody did and that's what we that that is the end product that we got okay all right all right i'm sorry i went off on my rant and now i'm ready to uh read the listener mail i have um emails voicemails all kinds of fun stuff to get into here with you people uh, let's see here. Let's start things off. Oh, it's our old friend in the, from uh, Baltimore, Crack House Matt, is in the house. Subject line, we need to talk about dash cam and other things. What's up, Darian, and possibly Jason, and or buddy, long time no chat. I've been listening every week, I just don't ever really have much to add, except for this week. First of, first of all, let me get the votes out for the out of the way. I'm going to take the critters over the Cenobites. This is the teams division. He put teams in all caps. I'm going to assume that critters don't turn into a giant critter during the fight. And so just by overwhelming the Cenobites, I think the critters can take it. Okay. Um, that's I mean, that's perfectly logical there, Matt. And a lot of people, I think, would agree with you. I'm not one of them, but... Uh, I think Jason took the critters, so there's that. Oh, excuse me. I'm drinking coffee while I'm reading, so I'm probably going to have to go uh, go to the bathroom here in a few minutes. All right, uh, back to Matt. Team's division, take the critters, can take it. Second, Kate Seagal versus Sherry Moon Zombie. I am 100% taking Jason's side on this. Mike Flanagan gets a pass with casting his wife because she is actually a very good actress. Just look at the quality differences between Flanagan movies versus Rob Zombie's. Other than having mostly coherent storylines, Flanagan actually hires people who can act, his wife included. Could you imagine Sherry Moon Zombie actually trying to take on one of Kate Siegel's roles? It's laughable. SMZ doesn't have the depth, uh, range, or chops to take on any of the nuanced roles that Kate Seagal has. I firmly believe (laughs) he used the word nuanced. Uh, I just got a kick out of that. Uh, I firmly believe, however, that Kate could have done any Sherry Moon zombie roles and would have done them better. Although I doubt she would have taken such shallow one-dimensional roles that Sherry Moon zombie is known for. Lastly, dash cam. Okay. 
I watched this one finally last week and was so happy to hear Jason talk about it. I fucking love this movie. I thought Annie fucking Hardy was incredible and she had me laughing out loud more than once, even during the scenes of true horror and chaos. I've only seen the movie once, but have probably watched the end credits four or five times just for the freestyle rap she does about the cast. It's pure, immature genius, and I love every second of it. Like Jason, I did a deep dive on Annie Hardy so much as to actually start talking to her one-on-one through Twitter. Uh, Here's where it actually gets sad. While Annie is sort of a lunatic, she isn't a MAGA hat-wearing Trumper. She, in fact, has only ever voted in her life twice, both times for Obama. She does have some pretty wacky views about the vaccine and reality in general, but she isn't fully the character you saw in the movie. It was basically an amped up version, an amped up to 11 version of her, and she threw in the extreme MAGA views for character purposes. But because of this role in Dashcam, she has gotten so much hate and so much negative responses to her character, it has sent her into a pretty deep depression. She really doesn't think she ever wants to act in a movie again and feels like she's been screwed over by the director and Jason Bloom. What do you know, Crackhouse Matt? That's exactly what I was just talking about. Her main gig, along with the band car thing, is that she's in an alt-rock band and even now she's releasing tracks and posting shit like, didn't bother too much to exclaim about it since I feel very blackballed for being a Trumper despite that not being the case. Uh, FTW, here you go. Uh, He's got that in quotation marks. I guess that came straight from her. Okay. Or maybe that's song lyrics. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to give you some background on it. I disagree with the character's politics nearly 100%, but I thought she was amazing. If you read her Twitter posts, you'll clearly see what she lives on a different planet most of the time. But she's also been through a lot of shit. Her boyfriend died suddenly. Her only child died of SIDS. At only a week, a few weeks old, addiction because of it. So I encourage everyone who hated the movie because of her, just remember that she was playing a character. Yes, there were some of her in it, but it was just a character, and she obviously played it very effectively. And yes, I'd also say that I think Annie Hardy in her only acting role is a better actress than Sherry Moon Zombie. Other than that, fuck fuck cancel culture. Sorry for being a long one. I'm sure I'll write again at some point in 2023. Crack House Matt out. Right on, Matt. Thanks for writing in. That's exactly what I was talking about, dude. That's why, first off, I don't want James Wan merging with Jason Bloom. Second off, um, I... Give me, give me a Bloom House movie that was made in the, in the last, I don't know, five years that was worth a shit. They are rolling out the purge and squeezing every possible dime they can they can out of it. Not to mention giving us a full-on anal fisting of white privilege and everything else that comes with it. Um, what else you got? Uh, Sinister. That took a shit pretty soon, pretty early. I'm, I'd be willing to bet that they're going to roll out another Insidious. Uh, just because, you know, what else, what else have they got? Another happy death day? Do we need another one of those? No, but that they'll probably hit us with that anyway. I don't know, man. I think, I think I might be done with Bloomhouse. What? Oh, wait, wait, did, did, did they, uh, did they do black phone? They might've done black phone. Hold on. Let me just verify that. I don't know. That may have been a major studio though. Do, 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 black phone. Black Phone was good. I like Black Phone. And that was released by... Oh, hell, where is it? 
Yes, they did do Black Phone. Uh, they also did Fantasy Island. <laughs> all right, maybe it's not all bad uh, over at Bloomhouse. Uh, Creep, Creep 2, Delirium, Easy 6. They did the Halloween movies. Um, Oculus, Ouija. They did the Paranormal Activity movies, obviously. Uh, maybe there is some good stuff over at Bloomhouse. Either way, man. I can't. I, I don't think so. I'm not into it, man. I'm not into uh, James Wan merging his company. I'm not into. Uh, I'm not into Jason Bloom. I think. I think he's my problem. Is what it is. All right, back to the listener mail. What do we got here? We got to get over to Sydney, Australia. Here comes Team. Subject line: Yo. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing this week? Happy and healthy, I hope. It's been a while, and for that, I apologize. Well, thank you very much, Tim. Uh, life's been insane the past few months, and I wanted to get in here with my Terradome picks. Put me down for the critters. Yes, sir. Critters it is. I do think the critters have the ability to close the box. You see them in the films playing with shit all the time. I could see their little hands accidentally closing the box and sending the Cenobites back on their way. Darian, are you piranha? You had me at real porn stars. I am, sir, piranha. You nailed it. Congratulations. Uh, You know what I've found, Uh, especially in this week's immersion therapy, there's a lot of porn stars that show up in horror films. I like that. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's good stuff. Uh, you had me at porn stars. That's it for me this week. Love you as always. And talk again soon. P.S. Hi, Jason. XOXOXO. Uh, sorry, Tim. Jason's going to be out for a little while. (laughs) Think of me as your stand-in boyfriend while he's gone. Okay. Uh, thanks for writing in, Tim. Your votes are locked and loaded. Let's get over to the open road. Here comes Freddie. No subject line. Hey folks, hope you all are doing well. Terradome, I'm going with the Cenobites. The critters are fun, but I think the vehicles have the vehicles. I think he meant Cenobites have the advantage with chains and such. Now I think I actually get another educate with Piranha 3D. Always a fun movie, and I would really rather be where it's warmer right now. Stay safe out there. Cheers, Freddie. Hey, you stay safe out there, Freddie. And I hope you're not. Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Here in Reno, it's I think it's about 35 degrees, which is probably warmer than wherever it is you are right now, sitting in your truck. But, you know, you got that little apartment thing that you told us about. So kick the air on and get a good night's sleep and watch some horror movies, goddammit. Okay, let's get over to jolly old England. Here comes the horror slut. Cat is in the house. Oh, boy, there's an attachment. There's an attachment, inmates. (laughs) Subject line, let the bribery commence. Evening, gents. I do hope everyone has had a safe week and is feeling better. I feel much better, Kat. Thank you very much. So I was bribed for next week's match early, and I have been asked to commence a bit of bribery. Now, for those that wish to vote for the brides next week, I have included bribery. That permission to share is granted. As for this week's vote, I have to go with the leather-clad bad boy and the Cenobites. What can I say? I have a thing for leather and other things. Hee <laughs> hee. Educate, you are Piranha 3D. Hope everyone has a safe and healthy week. Cat. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is nice, Cat. Uh, that uh, is... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna... <laughs> The glamorous life of a podcaster, ladies and gentlemen. 
I will forward this on to Tom Hardy because uh, you gave me the okay to do so. I will not let anybody else see it. That uh, you know, your 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 um, assets are safe with me, Cat. Uh, let's get back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line: boobies. I like the sound of that. Evening padded room. Hope everyone is doing well and made it in tonight. Happy Thanksgiving to all. And if you're traveling, please drive safely. Terabyte or Teradome, Cenobites easily. I think the Krites quills and bites would just turn them on. Ha <laughs> ha. You know that that could be that could be an actual thing because fucking Cenobites are sexy, dude. And by that I mean they're kind of horny. I feel like. I mean they don't act horny, but like. If you if you watch Hell Hellbound, I think Hellraiser two, Frank's torture was like you have to watch porn and you're not allowed to uh, snap one off. That's that's the the hell torture that Frank had to endure, and he's a horny son of a bitch himself. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, educate Piranha three D, easy one, sure. Quick note tonight as work is a clusterfuck. Hope everyone has a great week and catch you on the flip. Cowboy. Right on, cowboy. Thanks for writing in, big dog. I got some voicemails here. Let's see who's on the voicemail line. All right. Let's kick things off down in the funky old south with our main man in Alabama. Alan is in the house. Uh, what's up? What's up, Alan? Hope everybody's doing good. Yes, um, I know I didn't call him last week. Oh, you're all Something good, man. Really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, I sure the Alabama connection. It was filmed or parts of it were filmed in this little town of Fairhope. Oh, cool. Uh, called Fairhope, down close to the beach. Sure. Anyway, doing uh, the guest Adam Wingard spent some time here. He grew up here in Birmingham. I think kind of claims it's part of his hometown. Oh, cool. Uh, Terradome, give me the critters. Yeah. Um, I think they can eat all the Cenobites. That's quite possible. Mr. Darian, I'm not sure who you are, what one you need to bells. Okay. Um, hope everybody's doing good. Hope you all have a good Thanksgiving. Bye. You too, Alan. I hope you got some plans for Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? That Every now and then I'll catch one of my guys just kind of sitting in his funky apartment on Thanksgiving by himself. Like, dude, what are you doing? Get over here. Come on. You're going to have Thanksgiving with me and my family. They usually last about 14 minutes before they just leave because my kids have driven them completely insane. Uh, but at least I like to reach out and let them know that they don't have to spend Thanksgiving by themselves. I hope you guys, you inmates, will join me in that tradition. And uh, if you are spending Thanksgiving alone, Skype me. You can Skype me and I will answer and you can, I'll, you can, my kids will annoy you over Skype. How you like that shit? You you can get just as drunk as I am. Uh, let's get down to Southern California. Here comes the main man, Mr. Mad Max himself. Tom Hardy is in the house. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? Oh, not too bad. Oh, boy. I hope everyone is doing well. Hey, I wanted to get in real quick yeah? um, on the Terror Dome there. Uh, we got the Krites. The critters and uh, Cenobites. I can't remember who the fuck they're fighting, but the Cenobites, you know what? give me man. the critters, man. I love me the fucking critters. You don't uh, even know who they're fighting. Well, who are they fighting? Cenobites, buddy. I'm sure you're saying it right now, I but Darian, this isn't in live fucking time. I don't oh, care, man. I can't remember. Anyway, that I'm sure care. I had some super logical reason why. <laughs> no, you did. We're gonna. No, you, you did know, not. 
they were going to win that fight. Wrong again. Um, hey, on the other bit, uh, the what are you looking at department, yeah, what you got, got to catch one slick. What's that? And uh, this isn't even a what are you looking This is like a public service amount. Oh, and oh. I caught um, okay. this slick called Safer at Home. Okay. Isolation is a killer. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at it, and it looks to be like a, uh, uh, you know, a fucking quick little uh, uh, fucking movie okay. where, you know, it's all going to be in the screens. Um, and uh, I'm like, hey, you know what? I could go for a quick little flick like that. What sure. a fucking piece of shit. First bad, off. Huh? Don't be fooled. It is not a horror movie. It's All a right. stupid-ass fucking movie. It's lame as hell. All right. You're going to watch it, and you're going to fucking... You're going to be pissed. Okay. Me. It's just a fucking piece of shit. All right. And I'm real sorry about that, but that's bad. Um, not interested. So stay away from that. I'm going to stay away. I ain't got nothing away. else, and uh, I don't know you are. I don't know who you are Piranha. again, Mr. Brock. Piranha. So hope all is well. Tom Hardy. Love you like family, and bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Hope you have a uh, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Uh, so I'm, you're, you're talking about isolation. Uh, what what do you say? Loneliness is the killer or something like that? There's a decent movie called Isolation. I don't think it was the same one that he's talking about, though. The one I'm thinking of is the one with the, uh, the cattle farm. And the, I think it was Irish or maybe Scottish or English or something. Some European thing. And there was uh, two people on a cattle farm, uh, like a couple. And I think, if I remember right, they were doing like genetic modifications on the cows. And it, it boiled down to mad cow disease. So I remembered liking that one. I don't think it's the same movie, though. I could be completely wrong. It might have just not been for him. That is all we have on the listener mail, boys and girls. Thank you guys very much for writing and calling in. Uh, Tom Hardy, Alan, Cat, thanks for the bribery. <laughs> uh, Freddie, Tim, Crackhouse, Matt, all the usual suspects. I'm about ready to get into a movie. I hope you'll join me because it's it's a uh, it's a movie. So let's do that. Can I help you? Mrs. Peterson? Yes? My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You know Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We're pretty close. <laughs> yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's feeling up to it. What are you gonna do? Nothing bad. <laughs> For the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here. Keep it. Miss Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. But I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you.
I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't been here. Really, Mrs. Peterson, it's no problem. Yes, sir. It's the guest from 2014. Um, this one I don't I don't know if I really call this a horror movie. If you're watching, if you haven't seen this, inmates, and I hope that you have, but if you haven't, I'm going to recommend that you go watch it before you listen to the rest of this episode because there. If you don't know where it's going, you think you're watching. Uh, well, I, I, I'll just I'll just walk you through it anyway. But you should probably watch it before I do my uh, my little breakdown here. So it stars uh, Dan Stevens, Shelia Kelly, and Maka Monroe. It's written by Simon or uh, yeah Simon Barrett, directed by Adam Wingard. Got six point seven stars on IMDb. That is a full three point four stars better than President Evil. It's rated R for uh, violence. And a little bit of nudity. There is some side boob in there, and uh, it's pretty. It's pretty decent side boob. Nothing like cats, but still pretty good boobs. Um, we start off with uh, a pretty boring family in the middle of apparently Alabama, from what Alan says, getting ready to start their day. We've got mom, dad, an older sister, uh, and a younger brother. Younger brother is probably. I'm going to say 15, 14, 15, something like that. Uh, he's in high school. Um, older sister's 20. She's got a job. Uh, dad is, he's like your typical middle manager. He thinks, you know, borderline alcoholic. And he thinks that everybody's fucking him over at work. Mom is kind of just the depressed stay-at-home housewife. That, you know, it happens. Um... On the on the outside looking in, everybody seems reasonably happy. I mean, as happy as you can be in this situation. Um, they get up, they go to where as soon as dad takes uh, the younger brother Luke to school, uh, there's a knock at the door, and this is where we're going to meet the quote unquote guest, uh, played by Dan Stevens. He introduces himself as David, and he. Uh, explains to uh, Laura Peterson, the mom, that he was with their other son, Caleb, when he died. Now, to explain better, there's a very quick snippet after everybody leaves and the house is quiet, where Laura, the mom, is staring at a picture of um, an American... It's one of those memorial things they give you when uh, somebody in the military dies. It's got, like, his medals and his badges and then the... uh, um, folded American flag. Basically what we're learning here is that they had an older son named Caleb that died in the war. And, uh, that's that she's very, very bent about that. Obviously any parent would be, but she just kind of, I don't know how long ago it happened. Uh, but she just kind of zones out on this memorial plaque and starts crying. And then there's a knock on the door and that's David. David explains to her that he, he was a friend of Caleb's from Caleb's unit, and he was there when Caleb died, and he promised Caleb that he would come and, uh, t- you know, pay pay some respects and check in on the family. So, um, basically, it she, he makes it sound like he was literally discharged a day or two previous, went directly to the house. Uh, he said he ran from the bus stop, which is very believable, and... Uh, 
yeah, that now he's there and they're they're talking about Caleb and stuff. Uh, a few minutes later, uh, the older daughter Anna is going to come down, played by Maka Monroe. Now we know Maka Monroe; she's been in uh, several horror films, most notably It Follows. She was the protagonist. Um, I forget her name, but she is exceptionally hot in this movie. They like gothed her out and kind of sluttied her up a little bit. They did a weird thing with her hair where she's got like half a head of cornrows and then half a head of regular hair. It's very strange, but it's very hot for her. I don't know that anybody else could pull off that look except for her. And it makes it kind of, uh, makes you kind of wonder what time frame we're in. We're in present times, but like the, the score of this movie, the soundtrack is very synth heavy. Um, if it wasn't for certain cell phones being prominently displayed, you would think that this could be taking place in the 80s. That being said, here comes Anna. Uh, she sees David. David gets introduced. David's like, well, I'm, I'm, thanks for having me. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to go get a room at that hotel I passed on the way in. <coughs> Laura's like, bullshit, you're staying here. Now, I can tell you right now, Laura is missing her son. And she's getting like glimpses of her son, her dead son, in David. Uh, Anna is kind of weirded out, but I think she's kind of turned on by David at the same time. Cause let's be honest, Dan Stevens is a handsome son of a gun. So from there, uh, Anna's already graduated high school. She's like 20 years old. She's got a night job at the, uh, I guess the local diner. Uh, Laura goes and picks up, uh, Luke from school. We get a very quick snapshot of Luke being bullied at school. Uh, he basically gets pushed around and gets like a little black eye type of a situation. It sucks. But Luke is kind of the the awkward kid. Uh, he's not necessarily a nerd, but he just doesn't feel like he fits in. Probably the same way a lot of us were in high school. I was a ghost. I probably would have gotten bullied if anybody knew I was there. <laughs> but I put on my Predator cloaking device uh, before I went to school every day and uh, nobody knew I was there to begin with. <laughs> See how I did that? Genius. Um, that being said, uh, he comes home with a black eye. Dad comes home. Everybody gets gets introduced to David uh, and signs off on David staying there. Um, it's uh, it's a little awkward to start with. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a stretch for uh, a war buddy to come home and just kind of shack up at his dead friend's parents' house. But they're insisting, and it takes a, a bit of selling from Laura to get uh, the dad, Spencer, to sign off on it. He's running around slamming beers, complaining about how he got passed up for a promotion at work. I get it. It's it's rough, but I guess, you know, in, in this middle-class family, these are the kind of uh, complaints that people have. Mom is bored out of her fucking mind. Dad doesn't really care to be home unless he's hammered, and even when he is home, all he does is complain about work. Uh, that kind of leads to a bit of a rift between mom and dad, which kind of pushes Luke into that awkward situation, which translates to his school life, and thus he gets bullied. The older daughter, Anna, is just trying to get the fuck out of there, and she's saving up money to go to college, but she's still partying with her loser friends on the weekends and uh, getting high and stuff. But we'll get to that in a second. That's the that's the snapshot. Uh, from there, you know, David introduces himself. He sees uh, Luke's black eye. So he makes the decision that he's going to uh, pick Luke up on the way home from school. 
the next day. So he goes and picks him up and he's like, all right, buddy, I want you to show me who punched you in the face. And he's like, well, I, thought was, I told you I got hit by a football. He's like, yeah, that's bullshit. Show me who punched you in the face. So it's like the football team, naturally. And he's like, it's those guys over there. Uh, the two main guys are the biggest assholes. And he's like, all right, no problem. So he follows them. Apparently there's a bar nearby that will serve minors if they're on the football team. That would last about 14 minutes. <laughs> if there's one, if there's a reason why minors are not allowed to drink alcohol. It's because they don't know how to drink. And especially if you're pulling the football dorks and letting them drink alcohol, the place is going to be trashed in about 14 minutes flat. So, shockingly, what do you think happens? Uh, they pull into the bar... Uh, David and Luke follow him in. He's like, I'm going to go in and have a drink. And Luke's like, please don't, please don't, they're gonna, don't do anything bad. He's like, I ah, don't worry about it. Come join me if you feel like it. So he goes in, sits down. Uh, the football team and all their girlfriends are there playing pool and drinking beers and stuff. Uh, David orders something called a quote-unquote fireball. Now, apparently... This movie was made before Fireball Liquor was invented, because if you order a Fireball at a bar, they're going to bring you a shot of Fireball. But this particular Fireball is like a uh, mixed drink, and it's equal parts cinnamon schnapps and Tabasco sauce. So it comes out like blood red, and it's a sizable drink too. Uh, David also orders blowjob shots for all the football players' uh, girlfriends and Cosmopolitans, for all the football players themselves. This, of course, leads to the football players getting pissed off, throwing the drink in David's face, and then David uh, beating the crap out of all of them, to include breaking one of them, the guy's ankles. Uh, he's like, yeah, that just happened. <laughs> and then he explains to the bartender that you're going to call the cops, tell them exactly what happened. This group of minors came in, demanded to be served. You told them no, and a ruckus broke out, and uh, here we are. And you didn't get a good look at us. And the bartender really has no choice but to do so because he's been illegally serving uh, high school seniors, you fuckface. So they leave, they go back, and, you know, uh, Luke did get a couple punches to the face, so he's got a bloody nose. Uh, nose, I know I said news. Uh, they take him home, and then they explain to the parent, oh, you know, he got in a little scuffle, everything's cool, I'm going to show him how to fight later. But they're all kind of quietly proud of Luke for standing up for himself, which is pretty cool. Uh, while he's hanging around, uh, Laura makes, uh, Anna, the older daughter, invite David to this house party that she's going to later that night. Now, this part is particularly funny to me because there's a very quick little exchange in a hallway where, uh, Maka Monroe is trying to get into the bathroom, uh, to get ready for the party. She thinks Luke is in there taking care of the bloody nose, but out walks David wearing nothing but a towel. And you can see the panties just drip right off of her. <laughs> I need to start lifting weights again, is what you're telling me, and not be 44 years old, because I need. I would like to have that effect on a young lady at some point. At some point in my life. I have not had it yet. But perhaps with some HGH and maybe that testosterone total T or whatever, I could maybe by the time I hit the retirement home, possibly do that. I don't know. But uh, it's very, she's like all hot and bothered. She's like, whew, 
look at you. Because he's just got a towel on. He's like, oh, sorry, I was taking a shower, get ready for the party. So now we're going to cut to the party. Uh, David comes in. It's it's not a high school party per se, but it is like a college freshman party. So there is plenty of booze. Uh, we find out that the friend that's throwing the party is a friend that uh, Anna works with at the diner. Her name, I think, was Chelsea. Uh, she's pretty hot. Uh, as soon as David walks in, you could just see all the, the ladies just... You know, they could have put a slip and slide in that place because they're all just fawning over him. And he brings in two kegs. Uh, so he's, you know, a big, strong guy. Here I come. Um, but uh, in this scene, we get to meet Anna's boyfriend, a real ne'er-do-well by the name of Zeke. Uh, here comes Zeke, and he's got, like, the pot, and he's passing the weed around. And Anna's like, oh, no, no, my mom's house guest is here, blah, blah, blah. David doesn't care. He takes a couple of hits and throws it off. But then we meet another ne'er-do-well named Greg. So, needless to say, uh, Chelsea is probably the second hottest chick at the uh, party. Uh, Her ex-boyfriend shows up. David knocks him out and tells his friends to get him out of there, which makes Chelsea immediately uh, do a swan dive onto David's penis upstairs in the bedroom. After that, he comes down and he starts uh, hanging out with the local turds. And this is where we make meet Greg, who is a uh, like a twenty year old pot dealer, fuckface kind of a dude. He's played by uh, the guy, what's his name, Joel David Moore, who we'll recognize as the fuckface boss in Grandma's Boy. He was also in Hatchet. Um, he p- plays a real doofus usually, and this is no exception. Uh, David's like, "Hey, can you get me a gun?" And he's like, "Yeah, fuck, why not? I can get you a gun." Uh, David's got a burner phone on him with the number like, uh, on the back, like stenciled onto the back. Like it was a go, like it was an issue to him, which is kind of weird. Uh, we're going to get more into David and what the fuck is going on here as the story goes on. But I have, you're not going to get any real answers. So just so you know, and I don't have any real answers either. Cause there's a lot of question marks here. So David's like, yeah, give me a gun, dude. Okay, perfect. I'll get you a gun. Uh, he drives, uh, uh, what's her name there? Uh, Anna home. And she's like, Hey, my parents don't like Zeke. I'd really appreciate it if you didn't tell them that I was still hanging out with them. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, that's all well and good. They get home. Um, basically what we're seeing here is like a, it's kind of like David is taking care of all of the family's problems, all of them. So, that kind of happens. Uh, the next day, he gets a call from Greg the fuckface. He's like, hey, I got some guns for you. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Anna kind of overhears David on the phone, and she remembers her uh, mom telling her that David doesn't have a cell phone. So, she's like, this fucking guy's lying. So, that's interesting. So, she starts, like, uh, snooping. I guess she like gets on her computer and does a Google search. She calls uh, her Caleb's old army base and tries to get like, find out what's going on with this David uh, Collins guy. That's the name he gave. Now this is where things get interesting because as soon as she mentions the name, David Collins, whoever she talks to at the army base, like says, okay, we'll check on him and get back to you. But then when we go to the army base and see what, like what's going on, 
the person she's talking to brings up the SRB of David Collins. The picture doesn't look anything like uh, Dan Stevenson to start with. Number two, David Collins is deceased. So there's that. Uh, number three, it like pings to some like red zone type of a thing. Like all of a sudden guys are scrambling because we have a ping on David Collins and it might be this, some other situation going on. And we can't really tell, but... This is the fun part, inmates. It's going to involve the KPG Corporation. Now, for those of you that don't know what the KPG Corporation is, it's a little Adam Wingard nugget slash Easter egg kind of a thing. It kind of pops up in every single Adam Wingard movie. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's just a little sticker or something like that. But it's in every single... uh, Adam Wingard movie. Uh, In Your Next, the father had just retired from the KPG Corporation. In um, what's a VHS-2, that ocular implant that Wingard was wearing was a prototype from the KPG Corporation. In Blair Witch, the the drones that they were using were all on loan from KPG Corporation. Um, What else? Now, this, of course, with the KPG... uh, I'm sure there's other ones that uh, escape me at the moment, but every I think every Adam Wingard movie has like a little KPG somewhere in there. I would like a full KPG movie, and I would like some answers as to, are they the Umbrella Corporation? They might be worse than the Umbrella Corporation. I need to know. I need to know what they're doing. It's like J.J. Uh, Abrams and his slusho or whatever it is, that crud that started the whole problems in Cloverfield. Anyway... Big, big problems. People are like, uh, you know, running through doors because they have to alert other people about this David Collins situation. Now we're going to cut back to Alabama, where this rural town is, uh, you know, it's, it's doing its rural thing. Uh, back at high school, uh, all the jocks have just taken a pretty good beating from David at the bar. Uh, Luke rolls up and he's like, you know, eh, you fuckers better leave me alone. He doesn't say anything to him. But one of them calls him a faggot. <laughs> uh, and then a little scuffle ensues. Dave, uh, Luke is like, you know what? All right. So he turns around and blasts this dude in the nose. Uh, the, the, the guy grabs him and throws him against the wall. He's like, yeah, bitch. And then Luke picks up a yardstick and smashes it across his head. Good for you, Luke. Uh, naturally, Laura gets uh, the phone call. Uh, David just happens to be hanging around the house, so he goes to the school with her to pick up Luke. Uh, they get to the principal's office. Luke is sitting there. He's like, hey, buddy, what happened? He's like, uh, that guy called me a faggot, so I busted a yardstick over his face. And he's like, yeah, good job. And then they go in to talk to the principal. The principal's like, well, we have a zero tolerance policy on violence, so I'm afraid your son's going to be expelled. And then he's like, David's like, well... What name was uh, Luke called before the altercation? He's like, I don't know how that's important. He's like, was it faggot? And the principal's like, I believe it was. And David says, well, I believe that makes this a hate crime. And he's like, uh, I didn't uh, know. And he's like, well, you're not going to expel Luke. Uh, If you do, we're going to sue you. And we're going to put this uh, high school in the newspapers. And how do you think the LGBTQ community is going to react when they find out that you're expelling a young man for standing up for himself after a hate crime? And he's like, oh, so he basically talks him down to a month 
of after-school detention, which is really a slap on the wrist, and uh, that's that. And then as they're leaving, uh, David's like, listen, if Luke comes back and says that he's being bullied again, we are going to talk to our lawyers, and we are going to put this in the newspaper, and we are going to basically do a tap dance on your face, motherfucker, and then they leave, and then that's great. Uh, Now, finally, David gets the phone call about the guns. So he meets Greg and this other dude, played by Ethan Embry, uh, out at a gravel pit. <laughs> how, what, what, how is Ethan Embry always, like, I feel like he has been somehow typecasted as a scumbag all of a sudden. Uh, the Devil's Candy, he wasn't a scumbag, but he definitely looked like one, if you just took him at face value. Uh, this one, he's some kind of a backwoods arms dealer and possibly a skinhead. Um, he, it's the kid from Dutch, you know, why can't we get him a role where he's got like a suit and tie on now? uh, The only time you see him is if he's got a shaved head and a neck tattoo. I don't know. Anyway, Greg and this, uh, Ethan Embry arms dealer character are there in the gravel pit. He's like, uh, Hey, you want to buy some guns? And David's like, yeah, I do. And so he breaks out a bunch of pistols, and David's like, uh, yeah. And he takes one of them apart, puts it back together, and he's like, I'm ex-army, don't worry about it. And then uh, Ethan's like, okay, uh, you got cash? He's like, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, which one do you want? He's like, I'll take them all. And he's like, uh, okay, I'll take them all off my hands. Uh, just give me the cash. And he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. And then uh, Ethan Embry pulls a gun. David takes it away and shoots him in the head. Joel takes off running, uh, David reloads the gun and shoots, uh, or not Joel, Greg, Greg in the head, played by Joel David Moore, uh, and that's, that's your first two bodies of the movie. (coughs) Now, up to this point, it's been kind of a feel-good movie, you know? This ex-army guy comes in, and he's solving all the problems, he's beating the shit out of the, the local bullies of this, this Midwestern family. Up until now, we were kind of, and we, maybe even after, we were on Team David because he seemed like a stand-up dude, right? But there are a lot of little things that throughout the movie that I didn't really bring you up to speed on. And I can't really do him justice because there's like a lot of uh, David just standing in the living room looking at pictures and like looks like he's like Kaiser Sozaying things, memorizing things. And then he goes to Caleb's room because he's staying in Caleb's bedroom and he's like looking around at all of Caleb's medals and high school trophies and he's kind of memorizing things and he doesn't blink when he does that. It's kind of weird. It make, makes you think maybe he's a cyborg or something. We'll get more into that and the KPG stuff also. So that could be that also. All right. That's, uh, that's good times. Uh, now dad comes home. And he, out of the blue, he's like, oh, my boss and his girlfriend uh, did a suicide pact. Holy shit, can you believe it? Yeah, they locked themselves in their apartment and took a bunch of pills and, well, yeah, bananas. But I'm the new district manager, so I'll get uh, a promotion and a pay increase and fuck. Yeah, how about that? Now, we can already do the math. All right, David probably killed those guys so that dad could get the promotion Kind of a shitty way to go about doing things, and uh, what's he need all these guns for? We don't know, but Dad got the promotion. What do you know? And Luke is standing up for himself, and uh, yeah, now word is getting around the small town about um, Greg getting shot 
and killed, and his dead body has been discovered. Um, Zeke, the shitbag boyfriend, is on the phone with Anna, explaining to her what happened when he gets pulled over by the cops. <coughs> we'll get more into that in a second, because now we're going to cut back to uh, KPG headquarters. Holy shit, we've got a very important board meeting in, prog- in progress with one of the uh, field directors who is played by Lance Reddick. Now, you may not know that name, but I guarantee you, you would recognize his voice. He's an African-American actor uh, known most recently from that not-so-hot uh, Resident Evil Netflix series. He played Albert Wesker, uh, but he does the voice, a lot of voiceover work. He's got a very prominent voice. And it's like very um, enunciated and very deep. Um, Destiny. Have you guys played Destiny? He plays one of the. He does the voice for one of the main characters in Destiny. Uh, regardless, he like they interrupt this board meeting of which he is like being questioned about certain somethings, and they tell him that they have a ping on David Collins. So he leaves immediately gets the scoop from his little henchman. He's like, I've got to get to that town immediately and find this Anna Peterson character. So he mobilizes a team like on the spot and they take off in black SUVs to get down there. Uh, From there, we're going to cut back to um, uh, the uh, small town where David is now up. Zeke got the the shitbag boyfriend got pulled over. They found in his shitty van, the gun that killed Greg. So that kind of puts like a nice little button, buttons that little loose end up nicely. Now we know what happened, right? Uh, clearly, David didn't want Anna seeing Zeke, rightfully so. He's a shitbag. Uh, but I don't know that setting him up to take the rap for murder was the way to go. But now Anna is like officially freaked out. She's like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? Uh, this is, all this is not adding up. So she confronts David uh, in front of the parents and... Uh, She's like, I called, and they said he was dead. His name's not David. He's got a cell phone and everything, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, um, okay, so, yeah. And then he makes up a very quick excuse about being in a special spec ops unit, and that's the cover, and he's not allowed to talk about what he was doing. He doesn't have any ID because he hasn't gotten a chance to get a civilian driver's license yet. He does have his dog tags, though. He keeps those on him. Uh, very cool. And then, uh... They're like, of course they believe David, because David is like their guardian angel all of a sudden, and he's there solving all the family's problems. Uh, They basically tell Anna to go fuck herself. She gets all bent out of shape. Uh, The next day is when the actual KPG uh, snatch and grab team rolls into town. David is helping mom fold clothes out in the, uh, or uh, hang them up on the drying uh, cord, whatever you call that, when they roll in. Uh, out pops uh, Lance Reddick with his assault team. Uh, he's like, ma'am, I don't want to disturb you, but we're looking for uh, Anna Peterson. Is she here? And she's like, no, but I'm her mom. Is there something I can help you with? And she's like, well, she called about uh, David Collins, and we need to get to Miss Peterson immediately. And she's like, oh, David, yeah, he's just inside. So they draw their weapons just as David is coming around the, the outside of the house with a with a basket of clothes. And then a big shootout ensues. Uh, Unfortunately, they riddle the entire house with bullets. Uh, David kills most of the uh, snatch-and-grab team, except for Lance. 
ducks into the house, gets all of his guns in, into his little uh, sea bag, and goes flying out into the cornfield. Uh, unfortunately, before he does, Mom tries to give up his location. Uh, they're like pinned down in the kitch- in the kitchen, and she's like, "He's in here! He's in the kitchen!" So he stabs her. <laughs> he stabs the living piss out of her. Now, I did not see that coming, and mind you. At this point in the film, I'm still I think most of us are still on team David, right? Because he seems like a pretty good dude uh, up until the point where he killed mom. Uh they go take it, they get a little bit of a high-speed chase going down the dirt road. He steals the car, uh flies down the dirt road. Uh here comes dad on his way home from work. David punches the gas and head-on smashes into into Spencer's car. Gets out and puts one in his chest and then goes hauling ass into the cornfield. Uh, about that time, Lance gets in his, one of his black SUVs, goes hauling ass, David shot the tires out, by the way, down the same dirt road, finds the head-on collision, he's like, well, fuck this, uh, gets out, commandeers a vehicle, and takes off, uh, headed to the diner. Now, luckily, Lance gets to the diner before David does. Lance gets in there and snatches Anna, puts her in the car, and they go hauling ass out of there. David is like four minutes behind him. He walks in. He's bloody. He took a few bullets in the initial firefight. Walks in and he's like, hey, Chelsea. Hey, remember when we fucked at the party the other night? Yeah. Uh, is Anna here? I was supposed to pick her up. And she's like, uh, no. Uh, what's going on? And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. And he pulls out a gun and kills Chelsea. And then throws two live grenades into <laughs> the diner and blows everybody in there the fuck up. Uh... Now, Lance, or, uh, yeah, Lance, well, I'm going to call him Lance, I don't know what his real, his character's name was, has Anna, and they're trying to go find Lucas. Now, Luke was still in after-school detention, they're calling him, but his uh, prick uh, teacher, played by A.J. Bowen, uh, confiscates his phone and says he can't have it while he's in detention, and uh, he can have it back after detention. He's setting up the uh, rec center for the big Halloween dance. Um, they get there, they go in there to find him, to find Luke, uh, they, this, for a podunk town rec center Halloween dance, they did pretty fucking good with this little, uh, haunted attraction setup. There's like a maze you have to go through to get to the dance floor. It's pretty dope. Uh, Lance and Anna go running in there, um, they get lost and the fog machines are going off and... That's all well. And finally, they get to the center, and they're like, hey, we need Lucas right now. Military police. Lance has a military police badge on him. That probably doesn't mean shit because uh, he works for KPG. Uh, A.J. Bowen's like, oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, you got to come on. Follow me. So they follow him into a mirror maze, and that's about the time that David shows up. He gets into the DJ booth and starts cranking the synthome music and turning on all the, uh, the haunted attraction effects the fog machines and the strobe lights and all that shit. Uh, so he's now in the mix also. Uh, A.J. Bowen's like, follow me! And then he goes around the corner and then he comes back and he's been stabbed in the neck. Ah! A.J. Bowen's out of the equation. Um, from there, we get like a cool little cat and mouse game. Um, I'm not, I can't do it justice, but I will say that uh, Lance gets killed, David gets his gun, um, uh Anna makes Lucas hide in like a like a hiding spot while she goes out and tries to kill David. Um, 
she pulls a gun on David, but David doesn't think she has the cojones to actually kill him. So she, But she does. She shoots him right in the chest, and he goes down. But the fog machines are on, so they're covering the floor in like a low-laying fog. Uh, Anna's walking around trying to make sure he's dead, and then he like trips her and starts choking her, and then Luke jumps out and stabs David uh, in the chest with the knife that David gave Luke uh, earlier in the movie. Finally, the police show up, rush the place. Uh, the place caught on fire because one of the effects got took a bullet and went off and started the hay bale thing on fire. So there's that. Uh, Luke and Anna make it out okay. Good for them. As they're sitting there on the tailgate of the ambulance and the police are rushing in, they see one of the firemen walk out with a severe limp and blood coming out of his respirator mask. And then we realize that that's David and that's how he's making his escape because he killed one of the firemen and took their clothes. And that is the end of the movie, my friends. That was The Guest from 2014. That is a really good show. I hope I didn't uh, ruin it for you. But it, it plays like a horror movie. And if you haven't seen it, I hope you watch it before listening to this, because there's a lot in the movie that will make you think David is some kind of a straight-up serial killer, you know? There's like, a Dan what's Dan Stevenson just has like this low-hanging brow, and when he tilts his head down just so, he looks like a fucking psychopath, okay? Um, and he does a lot of that. Like, just when he's in the room by himself, he'll do like a lot of weird, like, scowling and things like that. Creepy as shit. Um, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. There's a lot of allusions to him being some kind of a genetic experiment that got away from KPG or that, uh, but there's a picture of of David on their mantelpiece, the Peterson's mantelpiece. He was in fact part of Caleb's unit or somebody that looked an awful lot like him. So I, we never got a backstory on this dude or what the fuck uh, is going on or where he came from. Uh, there was some allusions to him seeing a plastic surgeon that might have altered his appearance to make him look like uh, somebody that was in. It, it wasn't David because we saw the actual David when they pulled up his file. He didn't look anything like Dan Stevens at all. He was kind of chunk, kind of a chunky guy. All right, I can't go on about this movie anymore. I recommend you see it. I hope I didn't ruin it for you. If I did, watch it anyway. Why not watch it anyway? It's a good fucking show. All right, I'm going to take a break. I'll come back with some other stuff.
Hey, inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. You know, by and far, I think Adam Wingard has had a lot more hits than he has misses. You know what I mean? Uh, He was in and out of the VHS movies. Um, You got Your Next. Uh, If you've ever seen a really... His first, the first movie he ever made was a, a short film called Pop Skull. Um, it will give you epileptic seizures with all the, the fucking effects. It's about a, uh, a chick that does meth in this haunted trailer. It sounds ridiculous, I know. But it's, it's, if you can tolerate a lot of flashing lights, it's, uh, it's worth a watch. A lot of people really hated that Death Note movie. I'm not sure why. I think it's because of uh, maybe he wasn't uh, loyal to the anime or whatever, the manga, whatever the whatever a manga is. I have no idea, but uh, a lot of people pretty pissed off about that. By and far, I'm usually pretty much pretty into his work. He does good work. A lot of people didn't like the Blair Witch either, now that I think about it. And um, ooh. I think my biggest problem with the Blair Witch is what he did with the canon. You know what I mean? I don't. I know. I know. I know. Everybody, don't be a Blair Witch dork. Well, okay, I'm not. But I mean, nobody ever said that they. they tur- nobody ever said she turned into a giant spider lady. Okay, and that's going a little bit far. I think. And I think the whole point of the Blair Witch is that you never get to see her, except. Now we've seen her, and she's a big spider. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. All right. You guys ready to get into the Terra Dome? We have to announce the uh, Inferno Conference Championship right now. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll try to be crazy. I'll kill you all. Let's dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. To the Terradome. First, last week's winner. Team's competition, we had the Critters versus the Cenobites. 
The Cenobites arrived upon Frank's opening of the box, but stunned and confused they were at Frank's willingness and eagerness to go with them. Then the creatures tore through the door. Thinking better, they returned to the labyrinth and left Frank in the hell of his own making. With a vote of 9-7, to seven, the critters win, advancing over the Cenobites. I mean, I guess that's logic, really, because I don't know how the Cenobites would beat the critters, necessarily. They reproduce too fucking fast. There's too many of them, and uh, they're vicious. And if they do that big stupid ball thing, that actually might be your best bet. If you can get them to do the big stupid ball and get all of them in there and then hit it with like a tactile, tac- tactical missile, tactile, <laughs> hit it with a textile missile, I think that would be the best Hit it with like a nuke, a bomb, and then maybe you can roast them all in one in one swoop. I think is the best way to go. Power of the Knights. Critters did have their own dope soundtrack, though, right? You got they had that going for you. Johnny Steele with Power of the Night. I always thought those bounty hunters were the coolest. All right. I've droned on long enough about the Critters. Let's take a look at the Asylum Conference Championship. As usual, bear with me, inmates. I'm not much of a writer. (coughs) The Hunters had been watching the graveyard for quite some time, first from low orbit and now up close through thermal visors. They'd seen men, usually great warriors, enter the cemetery and then simply die. Conclusion had brought them the fact that there was something there luring them to the cemetery. Upon making planet fall, their first discovery is that of a body pit, a nearby ravine full to the brim of soldiers' bodies, in various states of decay, all of them exsanguinated, with two small neck wounds, no bigger than insect bites. Then, as the night wears on, three seemingly human females emerge and begin to approach the hunters. The hunters, cloaked by Auspex devices, Watch in strange disbelief as the females fail to register thermal sequences at all. Team's competition, we have the Predators versus the Brides of Dracula. Now, um, this is a tricky one, but let me explain. I think the logical decision to make is the Brides of Dracula, and here's why. Predators, hunters, yes. Uh, Ferocious fucking plasma casters, those net things, those disc thingies, those retractable metal claws that come out of their wrist gauntlet thingies. They got all kinds of thingies, man. But I don't know that they would be, they would know how to deal with something that is already dead. You You follow me on this? Vampires, things of folklore, especially direct descendants of the big guy himself, Dracula, are going to have all kinds of crazy powers. Now, I don't know that they'll know how to deal with aliens, but it doesn't change the fact that the aliens, or predators, either way, are very much alive and have hearts and they can bleed and, you know, get shot and things like that. But the vampires can't. So, for that, Matt, for that reason, I'm going to, I always take, like, magic over science. So I'm going to go with the Brides of Dracula on that. I think that's the logical decision to make. Uh, disagree me, disagree with me if you choose. I don't particularly care. I'll take your votes next week. Mental Health Hotline is area code 775-387-0275 or the regular old email at thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. 
let us know what movies you watched. Send us pictures of your boobs. Um, think about other uh, movies that you don't want us to watch. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm here for you. And I'm probably going to be by myself next week too. So there's that. And I, uh, I will drone on about whatever you would like me to drone on about. In the meantime, inmates, I would like to uh, tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment called What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? So, in keeping with my New Year's resolution of no uh, rewatches, I watched Smile from 2022. I know a lot of you guys have seen this. Um, not my favorite. Not really my favorite at all. Um, kind of lackluster. I, went, I mean, the, the aesthetic of the creepy smile is kind of cool. But, and the viral marketing campaign that they did for it was pretty cool, where they sent actors to sporting events and had them stand in the background with a smile. But um, once you get past that, it's kind of kind of silly, really. I mean, it's just another body hopper curse demon that's going to make you kill yourself. And then it's going to move on to the next guy. And then the next guy. We've seen it before. I will say this, however. Our main man, Kyle Gallner, is in this movie. I'm putting some serious thought into doing a Kyle Gallner Appreciation Month. I don't know why this guy doesn't get talked about more, especially in the horror community. He's been doing horror movies since like 2000. And he was like a like a 14-year-old kid when he started. Let me run you through his pedigree here, shall I? You've got Haunting in Connecticut. You've got Jennifer's Body. You've got uh, that Nightmare on Elm Street remake that everybody hates that actually isn't that bad. Uh, Ghosts of War. Uh, this uh, Smile. Uh, the Cleansing Hour, for Christ's sakes. This guy is a horror stud. I don't know why we're not talking about him. Or, except for me, I think I'm going to do a Kyle Gallner Appreciation Month. How do you like that shit, inmates? I watched that. I also, okay. <laughs> I watched this other movie. This is going to sound ridiculous, but you got to bear with me on this, all right? It's called Evil Dead Trap. It's Japanese from 1988. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's Japanese. It's called Evil Dead Trap. Uh, what, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? I'm going to tell you it's not a bad show, okay? Uh, it is uh, Japanese, and the ending, of course, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You, uh, very few uh, Japanese movies make sense to us Americans, and I think there's a lot lost in translation and culturally just doesn't kind of fit with the way we think or the way they think. I don't know. I don't know. But it, up until the ending, it's a pretty good show. So... Just to give you a snapshot, uh, there's a local on-air TV personality, a young lady, and she kind of has like a uh, funniest home videos kind of a show, except somebody sends her a snuff tape, or what appears to be a snuff tape. So she's thinking this is going to be her big break into real journalism, so she rounds up a production team, starts looking at the snuff tape and like putting the pieces together of where it was probably shot, and then she goes to that location. It's an abandoned army base. And from there, naturally, there is a lot of weird shit that goes down. Could be haunted. Could be a serial killer on the loose. Could be both. A lot of rape. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. 
There is a lot of rape and some consensual sexy in this too. But the rape is very, um, it's there and there's a lot of it. Uh, so it's not bad. That being said, I rolled right into Evil Dead Trap 2 from 1992, uh, subtitled Hideki, Hideki, which kind of, I don't understand that at all. But unfortunately, Evil Dead Trap 2 has nothing at all to do with Evil Dead Trap 1. Uh, the characters aren't mentioned. The events of Evil Dead or uh, Evil Dead Trap 1 are not mentioned. Uh, they don't go back to the same location. This one is about a awkward female serial killer on the loose in Japan who enjoys cutting up hookers. And the reason why, and her friend, it's a whole thing. It's more of a crime drama. Not bad, but again, it has nothing to do with the first one. So if you watch the first one and you like it, and you're thinking you're going to continue riding the crazy train, that you're going to have to switch stations because this is a whole other crazy train. It has nothing to do with the first one, unfortunately. That's all I'm looking at, inmates. How about a little immersion therapy for us? <laughs> immersion therapy. I don't know how I lasted 44 years on this planet without seeing and fully appreciating Auntie Lee's meat pies. (laughs) Did you watch it? Did you get to check it out? It's on Tubi. Uh, It is ridiculous. I think the name says it all. It's about a lady that kills people and puts them in meat pies and sells them to various restaurants. That's That's the gist of it. Starring Karen Black, who we all know and love, Pat Morita as the local sheriff, which is, well, first off, he doesn't know how to smoke a cigarette. (laughs) That much is obvious. Secondly, um, I don't know if he was given the direction to kind of swim in and out of a southern accent, but he does. And um, I don't know. Why not? Why not? He's in there. Why not have him have a southern accent? Japanese man, southern accent. What was kind of disappointing to me about this movie is the number of uh, Playboy Playmates and porn stars that were featured in the film and then the surprisingly small amount of nudity therein. That I found to be a bit... uh, Almost disrespectful, in a way. You've got Terry Weagle, who was a prominent porn star, and still, well, was up until uh, the early 2000s. You had a couple of Playboy Playmates in there. There was some boobs, but you would expect a lot more, you know, with that kind of a cast. Uh, It's ridiculous. Check it out if you want to. It's on Tubi. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be Crimes of the Future from the aforementioned David Cronenberg. It stars Viggo Mortensen and Leah Sidow. Uh, This bad guy is presently streaming on Hulu. Check that shit out, inmates. I will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. I'm interested to see if anybody thinks this is a horror movie or not. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, from what I hear, uh, it, it kind of is, but it kind of is. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll make a snap judgment on that, uh, next week. But now you must educate me 
Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. I am a bit of a scumbag movie producer looking to make a quick buck. I rented a yacht. Uh, I got a couple of porn stars to get on said yacht. Now I'm cruising around uh, the lake on spring break with a camera. I'm trying to do like a Girls Gone Wild thing so that I can sell it on late night TV and hopefully get funding for more uh, movies that I can film and... uh, you know, make money off of those too. I hope that the local wildlife doesn't get involved and eat a hole in this yacht that I've rented and kill all the porn stars. I am, of course, Piranha, uh, the remake, Piranha 3D. Alexander Aja directed that one. Uh, What's her name? Gianna Michaels. God, Lord, the rack on that one. She was another full-on porn star. Uh, I don't think she's active anymore, but good Lord. The way that body jiggles and bounces and shakes. (laughs) She has a very nice breast. I will just leave it at that. Uh, Who might I be this week, you ask? Well, that's a good question. Well, I am a low-level criminal and a bit of a uh, 'er ne'er-do-well in uh, early 80s New York City. Uh, I can't find legit work, so I just got to keep working for the local crime turds and helping them rob uh, jewelry stores and stuff. Little known to me, there is a rash of uh, odd decapitations in New York City at this time. And uh, during one of my getaways, I ducked into a high-rise. Being chased by the cops and the building security, I made my way up to the upper floors and found what appears to be a fucking uh, nest of eggs. And a could be a... Uh, fucking (laughs) without saying the name of what i found it could be a folkloric deity from uh, hispanic culture and i will just leave it at that i I, without saying the name which will give you the title of the movie that's really all the clues that i can give uh i also play the piano shittily and tried to get a bar gig and the bartender kicked me out because i don't actually know how to sing Find, come find out. All I can do is scat. Because that's not real music. See, that's why I got kicked out of the bar. All right, that's who might I be, you ask. Tune in next week and I will drop some knowledge on you. Uh, in the meantime, inmates, I think that's going to do it for me. Thank you again for joining me. Just little old me, probably for the foreseeable future. I'm okay with that. I'm, like I said, I'm going to do the fucking show. Whether anybody's here or you want it or you don't want it, I don't care. I'm still going to keep doing it. Um, like, comment, subscribe. If you if you could, that helps the visibility out quite a bit. Wherever you found this podcast, hit the like button. Put a little uh, smiley emoji in the comments. Uh, you're probably already subscribed if you're listening to this. So thank you very much for that. Do have a Patreon campaign running. Um, I'm I'm threatening. I am threatening a Kyle Gallner Appreciation Month for December, all right? If nobody gives me a better uh, idea, then goddammit, it's going to be Kyle Gallner right up your asshole <laughs> for the month month of December. He's at the, 
I he's actually been in uh, some pretty good horror movies. All right, so let's not uh, forget that either. There's some good stuff in there. Um, if you feel like making a donation, support.paddedroompodcast.com is where you go. Uh, $5 donation, I will send you a Padded Room travel mug, Padded Room t-shirt, and you will get control of the month of December. Um, and I will throw some porn in there, because I Tom Hardy sent a bunch back with his new batch of beer. And by the way, Spectral Stagecoach Beer. I know there's no website and you can't buy it anywhere, but if you know Tom Hardy, or if you want, I, maybe I can arrange like a finder's fee and I'll send it to you. I don't know, but uh, pretty good stuff. Regardless, that's it for me. Thank you again for joining me for Jason and Absentia, Buddy and Absentia. Oh, join me next week for um, Predators, which apparently has something to do with Alabama also. I'm not sure what the connection there is, but... Uh, For Jason in absentia, Buddy in absentia, Predators, who are also competing in the Terradome for the Asylum Conference Championship, Sweet Home Alabama, which is a place that I would like to visit at some point in my life. I've never, I've been to Florida. That's as far south as I've been. I wouldn't mind checking out Alabama. Um, Predators, I already said Predators. Uh, Critters and the damage they can do. Uh, House guests. That will solve all of your problems as long as you don't ask too many questions. And the Padded Room Podcast, I'm afraid visiting hours are over. Why do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back a stick?